Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on this bonus episode for the first one of December, and well, the only one of December, um, I'm here with Chaz, an author and a uh, paranormal enthusiast, alien enthusiast, and about everything that comes out with weird. Yep. Uh, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. And for some people that I guess don't know, you uh, wrote a book, correct? Yes. Um, yep. My book is out now. It's called Paranormal Expeditions Hunt for the Friendship. Um, it's available on Amazon. Um, and it is my uh, investigation and research into a South American UFO uh, legend. It gets into uh, UFOs, Nazis, psychedelics, and my own expedition uh, to Patagonia to investigate this case. Um, and yeah, it's been getting, uh, uh, it's been very, very well received. Um, I'm surprised about how many people are reading it, um, and reaching out to me about it. Um, and yeah, it's exciting. Check it out guys. I know, Cause amongst the alien, uh, community, it is, uh, I guess it's like, if you're not on, uh, ancient aliens, most people don't care what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's a tough uh, world to break into. Um, but that's why it's, it's great doing shows like this, um, being able to, to talk to people, uh, enthusiasts, um, and other researchers, um, and having, you know, shows pick it up and, and talk about it. Um, you know, I, I feel like, uh, it's, a, a good step in, uh, contributing to a, a community that I've been a part of for a long time. Cause I love to, to read the research. I love to read anything weird, anything UFO alien. Um, and the fact that I can give back, uh, some, some stories, um, some new stories people haven't heard before. Um, that's a, a cool thing. Uh, it, when it comes to the alien world, I'm not that too far, uh, I guess practiced. Uh, I do know a few things and I've learned from here and there, but paranormal is where I usually dwell. That's why I like mm-hmm. always having, uh, people who you know, research the alien stuff to talk to. Um, but especially, the friendship, that is a concept I've never heard before. I've heard Anunnaki, I've heard the Greys, I've heard other things like that, but I've never heard of the friendship. Uh, yeah, so this group, the friendship, um, uh, which is the, the focus of my research, um, they, uh, they really kind of started around the 1980s in southern Chile uh, and Patagonia, Argentina as well. Uh, and they were these tall, blonde, um, you know, entities, because I, I hesitate to call them aliens because I'm not sure I, I quite believe them. Uh, but they claim to be aliens. Um, and they kind of look like for people who are more familiar with the, the alien uh, literature, the Pleiadians, right? These tall, blonde aliens, um, reminiscent of the Contact E era, uh, the earlier, um, you know, encounters people had with these human looking aliens that were positive. Um, and those encounters in the U.S., they took place around the 1950s, 1960s. Um, this case in Chile, a little later in the 80s, um, but has a lot of the same kind of uh, uh, similarities. Um, but as you, you look into the case, you find them not to really necessarily be these uh, altruistic aliens that they claim to, you know, are here to help and those kinds of things. Uh, those claims don't necessarily pan out when you investigate a little further some people have positive interactions some people have negative interactions um and it's reminiscent of more uh more uh different varieties of paranormal phenomenon um 
it kind of interweaves with uh, a lot more than than just the UFO phenomena. So that's why this case was really fun to look into. Um, of course, there's a, also a history in this area of the world of Nazis escaping and setting up secret camps. Uh, I actually visited one of these when I was in Chile. Um, it's the now defunct Colonia uh, Dignidad. Um, and for right around the time, same time as the friendship, this was a uh, very rural camp, um, kind of a compound of several thousand acres tucked in the Andes Mountains. And um, it was run by a guy named Paul Schaefer, who was a former Nazi and a child molester. And he kind of ran this pseudo-religious death cult uh, out of this compound. But the Chilean government used this compound as well as kind of a clandestine prison. They would send people to there to, you know, disappear, uh, you know, get rid of them. Um, and there's several still unsolved cases. You know, bodies were never found, but they know they went to uh, this location. Uh, still lots of interesting ties Uh so I, I explored that place and I explored the idea that maybe the friendship is something more human along those lines. Uh, but then I also get into the, the high strangeness. Um, and of course, any of these paranormal cases, there's a lot of high strangeness of all involved. And, uh, you know, it leads you to believe it perhaps is not quite as human as you, you might have thought to, to start out. So it was really a, a case with all these angles that was, you know, just a blast to to investigate and, um, you know, get into the the uh, various details and histories and stories, both paranormal and historical, um, and leaves you with a, a lot to think about. <laughs> mm. uh, not to give too much away from your book, but um, mm -hmm. what's like uh, one paranormal thing that happened with them? Um, so one of my favorite stories, um, and this one kind of speaks to the, uh, you know, new, uh, I wouldn't say neutrality. Well, I'll let the story speak for itself. Um, there was a, a group of UFO investigators, kind of like a, a mini MUFON group uh, based in Santiago, Chile, um, and the decade after, 90s. Um, they were still really enthralled with this this friendship case, you know, even after the, the main sightings had kind of dissipated. Um, they were still very, very much invested. And they were friends with one of the main witnesses, um, Ernesto de la Fuente, who has claimed to have lots of contact with the group. He said he's been to their island and he's been healed. He said he had lung cancer and they healed his lung cancer. Um and he w there's evidence, there's medical documents to show that he was healed of something, whether or not it was cancer is, is up to debate. Um, but this guy was, you know, he would show up to this UFO group and he would speak and he would, you know, give lectures and talk about the case um, and talk about his connection with the group. Um, and the group was supposedly still talking with him and still communicating to this UFO group essentially through him. Um but one day, the the leader of this UFO group, he went on TV and he started to talk about the friendship case. And apparently this this pissed off the friendship aliens. Um, and Ernesto de la Fuente, he stopped showing up to the meetings. He was, 
you know, he was like, oh, I can't talk to you guys anymore. Um, but right when this, this contact, uh, this cutoff of contact happened, the group received a package. Uh, and in this package was this strange, you know, ob- oddly shaped porcelain kind of object. Uh, no one could figure out what it was, but they began using it as a, like a centerpiece, you know, and they put it at the middle of their table while they had their UFO meetings. And the people, after they received this object, the people in that group began to, to have dementia. Um, the older members, they rapidly went downhill uh, with Alzheimer type diseases and even the younger, healthier people began to forget basic things. They would forget the name of the company they worked for. They would forget their their uh, significant other's name, uh, things like that. And uh, eventually the group just kind of dissolved because of lack of organization. And this object kind of disappeared. But the the one of the witnesses in this case, he was convinced that this object had caused this this kind of mental deterioration amongst the group uh so that's you know that's pretty sinister (laughs) for an alien group you know if the story is true as given it's a pretty sinister uh thing for for this group to do you know suggesting that they aren't all necessarily this altruistic alien uh group like they like to present themselves as yeah you talk crap about us we make you lose your memory (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's a pretty wild story um it's one of my favorites for sure <laughs> All right. um what paranormal stuff have you uh dealt with like personally like you experience on your own uh, well i started out um as most you know kind of paranormal enthusiasts do kind of in the the ghost hunting uh realm the ghost adventures realm you know evps and trying to capture things on camera um but then uh, as I got more into the, the research side of it, you know, the idea of, of um, magics and um, biocentrism and uh, investigators like John Keel and, and um, uh, these kinds of uh, Jacques Vallée, these kinds of researchers that realize that something is going on a little deeper. You know, it's not quite as simple as, you know, there's ghosts and there's UFOs and there's Bigfoot. It's more of the idea that these entities, these creatures exist at the edge of our consciousness. It has something to do with how our consciousness interacts with reality. Uh, that these creatures are, are, uh, I hesitate to use the word, you know, transdimensional, uh, but they're, more on a, a spectrum of reality that's only visible in certain occasions. Uh, and in my book, uh, in my research, I posit that these, uh, these occasions are very similar to the ones, uh, when you, uh, the, the experiences you have when you're on psychedelic drugs. So my investigation techniques, oftentimes I do these psychedelic experiments at UFO sites or haunted locations to try to, you know, essentially, you know, generate the right conditions to view something, um, whether that is UFOs or Bigfoot or or aliens. Um, also, I try to keep a couple sober people around, too, so they can <laughs> they can confirm, of course, if I see anything, uh, you know, while I'm 
under the influence, it doesn't really do me any good if I don't have some kind of confirmation. Uh, but it's, it's about creating the initial sighting and then hoping you get some physical confirmation afterward. That being, you know, a footstep, uh, a piece of metal, um, you know, even if it's trace radiation, whatever it is. Uh, it's, that's where I'm interested, where the, the phenomenon gets, goes from this, you know, uh, psychedelic angle into uh, a physical realm. And I think that's where these, these creatures, paranormal phenomenon as a whole kind of sits. So that's interesting to, to think about that. It would take, I mean, I've never had, well, to say I've never really done anything at that level psychedelic wise, but I've had paranormal experiences regardless. Um, mm-hmm. But that makes me think that what would a psychic or medium or those, those, uh, I guess, in touch with contact mm-hmm. on the other side have more than the average person. Like I say, I don't, you don't consider yourself, you know, psychic medium or anything like that. Right. But you would right. say you have to take psychedelics in order mm-hmm. to get to that level. That makes me wonder, do psychic or mediums, like my wife, do mm-hmm. they have automatically in tune ship to that other side? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of that idea in the literature that um, psychics and, and mediums, they have a more active pineal gland, um, which is the the gland in the brain that's responsible for producing, um, you know, these psychedelic elements. It, it produces melatonin, which kind of makes your dreams, you know, crazy, um, helps you fall asleep. But when you die, it also produces DMT. And this is that spirit molecule. Um, when you take a large dose, you almost always interact with these entities of variety. Um, you know, you talk to the spirits. Uh, so there's an idea of, the, yes, the, some people are just born with a more active, uh, you know, pineal gland. There's ideas that you can change your diet <laughs> and activate your pineal gland, you know, no fluoride in the water and that kind of stuff. Of course, none of that's really proven. It's all kind of just speculation. Uh, not there's there's not hard science into any of those ideas, but this is what uh, has kind of come along through uh, the 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 science that is <laughs> the studying these old texts and, and belief systems. Well, my hope in well, the future, near future, that um, enough paranormal research, enough paranormal investigation, and the proof comes along that people of the higher, more respected intelligence mm-hmm. field will start, you know, looking into the paranormal as a form of another science, something out there like quantum mechanics or even microwave mm-hmm. stuff that we can't see, but still experience and can't, you know, say otherwise against. Um, and that would put more effort into learning about what the mechanics to the human body beyond the physical are. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's, you know, there's controversial research into, you know, ESP and stuff, uh, enough to prove it. And then, but there's always the, the disproving of those experiments as well. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, uh, all of those. But, um, that's why I think UFOs in particular are an exciting area because it is getting more and more accepted. Um, uh, you know, we have the New York Times releasing its article about the uh, UFO videos the Navy's captured. Um, Tom DeLong from Blink-182, he's doing uh, – it's weird to say, but he's doing some great stuff <laughs> with the UFO field, uh, helping get, um, you know, these – 
uh, you know, previously unapproachable military type people to admit on camera and things that these encounters are real. Um, uh, but I think there is still, um, we're going to, to have a, uh, a problem. There's a misunderstanding still. And I think the military is going to be looking at the UFOs, um, you know, in a way that they, they would naturally and as, as a threat, right? How do we handle these? <laughs> How do we shoot one down? Um, and I think the, the understanding of, um, how they really exist where they exist isn't quite there yet. It's the same issue. I think they're having when it comes to uh, artificial intelligence research. Uh, there's this idea now that if we keep crossing wires, you know, if we keep doing it, eventually it'll, it'll think like a human. Um, and I think that's a miss, a fundamental misunderstanding of how our, our brain works and how consciousness works. Um, uh, I, there's this idea of biocentrism, which is a, um, a neurosurgeon. Um, oh, I can't remember his name right now. Apologies to, <laughs> to whoever he is. Um, but he's posited this theory that, you know, um, human or biological observance, having life exist is essential to the existence of reality that it goes into this idea of quantum mechanics, that particles uh, don't exist unless they're observed. And this is something they've, they've uh, you know, proven to an extent in the hydron colliders and everything. No one really knows what it means, but it, it suggests that our observance has a effect on a plane that we can't see, right? On this, on these particles, these subatomic particles. And, you know, if that's true, that some posit that since everything's made of these particles, reality itself is dependent on on observers. Uh, so space and time and all these things are our senses. There are additional human senses that can be altered. Um, well, the mo- let me put it this way. The most common altering of these senses are one, psychedelic drugs and two, paranormal experiences. Um, there's a good uh, example of this uh, in the book, one of the f- most famous cases out of Chile is um, this army sergeant. Uh, and he was running a training mission uh, in the Andes Mountains. They were stationed up on this hill and they saw a large light descend down uh, onto the side of the hill. And, you know, they kind of took up positions and held positions. But the sergeant, he walked off um, towards the light. He was gone for about 15 minutes and he was found again in a you know, kind of panicked, frightened state. Uh, the light flew off, uh, but the sergeant was left with a, f- with a uh, five days worth of beard growth when he had been clear- cleanly shaven the night before. His watch had been, well, you know, five days ahead of where it was. Uh, he was only gone for the 15 minutes, but physically it looked like he had been gone for five days. Um, and he had very spotty memory about what happened um, you know, some of his memories came back later, but, uh, for the most part, he, you know, had the typical abductee experience taken aboard this craft, some medical experiments and, and such, um, you know, viewing of these strange worlds of these strange entities, uh, but coming back with this physical, you know, difference. Uh, and it's those cases that are, are quite exciting. 
when you when you hear his case, when you hear him describe uh, what he went through, it sounds like someone describing a, a crazy drug trip. Uh, you know, uh, it sounds like someone who's never been on one describing one for the first time. Uh, that's where I see a lot of the parallels. But he's come back from this experience, you know, with the beard growth, with the clock for it. Many times you can take a dose of, of psychedelics and, you know, 10 minutes can feel like a year. People have that experience, which is, is pretty awful. I've had the reverse experience a couple times where, you know, I thought I was doing something for 10 minutes and it's been three hours, <laughs> you know, that total warped sense. Um, and that's what he experienced. But he also came back with the physical evidence. So that's um, it's cases like that that are really intriguing. And I think lend to the idea that there's something, you know, beyond the physical happening you know something physical clearly is happening but it's not quite just as simple as you know aliens are visiting from a you know venus or mars well there's a theory i i uh, I heard once and my own thoughts on it as well is that the fourth dimension because we're in a third Mm -hmm. and the fourth dimension is time and space why Nothing exists there in time and space-wise. It's not unaffected, essentially. So that's what makes me think that spirits, ghosts, or whatever like that, even – well, there's a theory around it that aliens, mm-hmm. essentially physical forms is what we see, but their actual mm-hmm. essence is something they can leave. It's like almost like a, a vessel body uh, ecto, exoskeleton or something. You know, it's something like they can just use mm-hmm. and they hang it up when they're done. And they their real true form is something that only can be seen, felt, or even experienced into the spiritual realm. Which is why I think humans have that ability to leave. We ask to project. We, mm-hmm. um, our minds can go different places with certain things. And it goes back to the Anunnaki when they, I don't know what your knowledge is on it or whatsoever, but how they essentially created us in a sense. They took, mm-hmm. you know, engineered us, the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So if we have that ability of spirits and ghosts around us, we've experienced such things. And they're the ones that created us. That gave me the thought of is if we're made from their DNA, then how do we have the same abilities or it can have the same abilities as them? So that made me think they must live or at least have an easy accessibility to the spiritual realm per se. So that made me think that they live in that dimension. Hence why we can't see them, can't experience them, but they can pop in and out whenever they want. That probably goes with most aliens and stuff like that. Why they disappear within a second. And we chalk it up to, you know, their ships flying at higher speeds and stuff like that. Maybe they just can travel to another dimension or the fourth dimension quicker and faster than we because we're still ruled by the third. Right. I think um, I think there's a lot of the good, uh, good ideas in there. Um, I don't necessarily believe we were engineered. I think it's an intriguing idea. I yeah. like the idea. Uh, but I'm not quite convinced of it. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, in this idea that, that nothing exists unless observed, I think in these higher realities, they don't see planets. They see these kinds of oases of observed reality. Um, you know, it's kind of like there's, there's a sea of blank, empty, emptiness, and that's all your dead planets and, you know, unoccupied solar systems and all that and then there's these islands of of life 
And those are, you know, those are the bus stops. Those are where you go. That's how they, they exist. They use our observation to, to materialize for whatever purpose, you know, maybe they're visiting to do science. Maybe they want to collect water. There seems to be an interest in our, our amount of water we have on this planet. Um, other rare minerals, perhaps, um, or perhaps this is just, you know, a truck stop and the many you know, realities of, cause you just got to go from place to place is how you get there. So as if you're shifting through these realities, these oases of, of consciousness, uh, earth would just be one of the places you can stop by and you buy on, you know, maybe you're on the way to the Bigfoot reality, which is just, <laughs> just up, up a little ways, or maybe you're, you're going towards the future where it's dolphin people who, <laughs> who control the, the world or whatever it is. But this point in space time, since we're here, since we're able to observe, I think that is why they, they come here just because that's, where reality exists it you know it doesn't exist in those those dead solar systems so there's no you know it doesn't essentially exist for for these entities well that thought process if aliens well we know aliens exist but if other aliens exist in other solar systems that are like you know hundreds of thousand light years away from us and their reality exists on their idea then again we don't know because we can't see them do they cease to exist because we can't see them or we don't exist to them because they can't see us well they would be they even if they were you know say in the same physical reality as us their observation and this is you know what, what einstein got into is their time and their space and how things are viewed and what what size things are and what's considered you know fast and slow and close and short all of that what makes reality would be independent from ours um and there's this kind of idea uh seen in that movie interstellar where you know he goes on the planet and goes uh back to the the uh, orbiter and it's been 50 years even though it was like 20 minutes on the planet or whatever um that's kind of a kind of a representation of this idea and what we're talking about um but it's more to the the extent that you know if if they're um uh, they wouldn't need us to view them to exist because they would be you know viewing their reality it's the same if a tree falls in a forest, does it make a sound? Um, yes, because there's bugs and birds <laughs> and, uh, you know, animals in a forest that are definitely going to hear the tree. They're going to feel the vibration, that thing. If a metal, you know, if a monolith falls on an empty planet with no atmosphere, does it make a sound? No. If someone's next to it, maybe because <laughs> they're there to, to actually experience the vibrations. But if there's nothing, you know, experiencing anything, then, um, you know, it, that that reality doesn't exist. Um, and I think that's the idea has kind of been echoed in, you know, religions, you know, the idea that life is sacred um, or even the idea that humans are sacred. Uh, I think, you know, a bug would be enough to generate reality you know an insect existed or even a bacteria existed it would be enough to generate you know it would enough to solidify the the particles that are around it um but uh you know i think perhaps with human consciousness with these higher levels of consciousness we begin to interact more with these 
you know, paranormal entities, whether that is people from the past or the future or uh, different forms of people from different realities. Very interesting stuff. Sorry, I got my hair in my tongue. Um, <laughs> now, on that concept, now this is something as a religion based, but with your knowledge of this, I just want to maybe get your your opinion on it, is that the essence of evil when it comes to the paranormal world, i.e. demons and dark mm-hmm. entities and stuff like that. Now, some people theorize that they're creatures from another dimension and stuff like that, a dark entity, another alien race that is only out to see the demise of humans and stuff like that. But uh, with my experiences alone, encountering at least one, possibly two, um, but I know for sure one, um, the energy that is around them when they are in your presence is unlike anything you've ever experienced. It's like mm-hmm. it bottled up hatred and heat, anger, pain, basically any worse thing a human has ever experienced and mm-hmm. it's radiating from this. And it makes me wonder, cause like, was you when you're, I'm not saying the presence of a human spirit or something that you, you kind of feel them around. Um, mm-hmm. but what would you think if alien based would, those evil spirits essentially be. Um, so I, I actually, for the idea when it comes to, to these positive and negative entities, um, I kind of have a policy to treat all entities like a trickster entity until proven otherwise. And the reason, you know, some like Loki type goblin, you know, doing it for kicks is because I think they just operate at a, you know, they operate at a level where if they're messing with us, then that's what they're doing. They're messing, whether they're trying to positively mess or negatively mess. They're just, you know, they're just playing around. Um, And I I think uh, there was a good analogy I read online years ago. Um, but it was like it said, think of it like if you saw an anthill and they they all started, you know, crawling in a circle and chanting your name, you'd go over and check it out. You'd be like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, <laughs> and you'd be like, what's what, what do you want, ants? What are you going to do? Uh, why, why are you calling me over here? Um, and maybe they ask for sugar for your, your the colony. So you're like, OK, well, I'll grab some sugar and I, I put a sugar cube there and they're, they're all happy. And then they're like, Oh, let us get some, some water for the colony. So you pour a cup of water, but it floods the whole colony and they all drown. And then forever in ant legend, they have the time of the evil demon who <laughs> flooded the colonies because we asked for too much, you know, greed is, is horrible for, for that entity. It was just, you know, bored for the most part. Um, and that's, I think, how uh, most of these, these ones operate. Um, I think, you know, just like some kids like to fry ants with, uh, you know, magnifying glasses, some entities use their influence to, to harass and, and, uh, attack people. Um, so that's kind of how I, I approach that idea in particular. Um, and when it comes to the alien beings themselves, um, I think they, they kind of exist in a realm more similar to that, but more physical. Um, so they probably have an understanding of, of these entities. 
Um, I don't know really how they would interact with one another. Um, maybe the same way they interact with us, depending on where, where they are in the, the realm they might abduct and uh, <laughs> experiment on these, these, you know, demons or daemons or non-physical entities that uh, people seem to interact with just in the same way they might abduct a, a person. Um, and when it comes to the abduction process and the idea of harvesting biological, you know, life, right. Uh, that's something we always, almost always hear in abductions is medical experiments, uh, especially on the uterus, um, you know, uh, uh, Betty and Barney Hill, Barney Hill reported a suction cup placed on his junk and he actually had a, a ring of pimples where the suction cup was um, after the abduction. And I think the reason they do this is because, again, it's it's how you, you having some of our our maybe having a, a fetus in a jar is a good way to teleport to Earth. It's part of you know, having the, the reality generated, the ability to generate that reality by having a organism that exists in the same capacity. Um, just a theory, though. I need to get on board one before I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, like, I never played the game yet, but uh, was it uh, Death Stranding? Uh, they had the baby in a little orange thing they carried around so it could sense the, uh, the uh, aliens when they were near. Yeah, I've never heard of that, but yes, <laughs> that's kind of the the idea. They yeah. that they have one, you know, they have a a little human one, so they can sense our reality, so they can view our reality, so they can get their ships to our reality. Hmm. Now it's funny, is that I guess yeah, it, it makes sense. I was going back to what you're saying about the whole consciousness thing with the uh, reality and stuff like that. So to it, almost like reality cannot be erased from existence because even if the smallest molecule of bacteria existed, then it will technically the reality will still exist. Even if all humans, animals, mm-hmm. insects were wiped off the earth and bacteria is basically all that was left, the planet would still be here. Uh, yeah, I think the, yeah, the rock would still be here, but I don't think the UFOs would still come here. If that makes any sense. I think um, there wouldn't be anything to see. Um, you know, you could go there out of your way and, and, you know, bring your reality there, but I think you'd kind of, you'd be stranded. It'd be like just dropping off into the middle of the ocean at random, um, you know, without having reality viewed and existent. Um, you know, I think life's been on this planet, you know, since the, since water, since the primordial soup. So this has been a, a point to travel to for a while. Um, and I think I, I do, think that you know uh, i don't think the the aliens built the pyramids or anything like that but i think their influence has been felt um throughout human history i think we're uh people have been seeing it whether it's the flaming chariots that the greeks saw flying through the sky or the you know 12 eyed spinning ball of fire the, the angels that um i think luther saw um you know these catholic saints and whatnot talk to these entities as well. I think it's um, a similar phenomenon that, that interacts uh, and they, it does it because we can't, it can't because this is a reality that it can interact with. I don't think they, they exist in a reality. They can't in a similar way that we don't. Uh, 
combine the reality consciousness, this quantum theory paradox thing, whatever they talk about, <laughs> with time and space and how it rolls. It's every go thousand light years to a distance. Every say we go a hundred light years to a distance, and mm-hmm. we try to view a hundred year, try to view the planet that we just left. We'll see it a hundred years in the past, not in the future. Right. And if they try to view us, they see the same thing because it takes a hundred years for that light to get there. So it makes you wonder that if like some of the, let's say more advanced alien races that are out there, like far more advanced than us, try to look at us and they're a thousand light years away. They're looking at the earth a thousand years ago or even longer, mm-hmm. depending how far. And they see unintelligent life or something not worth going to. But then the other alien races that randomly come here, um, you know, check this out, go, hey, and they go back for a report, like, hey, guys, look at it there, and they look into the telescope, or whatever they use, and go, there's nothing out there, shut the hell up, and they, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, or it makes you wonder that some, not maybe all alien races, because I had the idea that it, you think the higher level uh, alien, you know, uh, what's the word, cultures out there would have mm-hmm. some kind of um, council or some, you know, form of meeting or some way to, you know, but that you're, again, you're putting aliens in a bottle of what humans expect us to, to be. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, at least they somewhat communicate with each other, right? Cause mm-hmm. humans, you hope for the best would try to communicate with other alien races and have some kind of open communication saying, Hey guys, what we can do, what can you guys do? And that's be the best of us to try to do. Majority of them we know will automatically start shooting at it instead of actually trying to talk mm-hmm. to it. Um, that makes you wonder though, maybe they're not communicating with each other. Maybe there's a lot of some alien races out there don't communicate or at wars with each other or at mm-hmm. warring with each other and they don't report back to other ones. And that's why we get random different ships. We've seen every kind of ship from triangles to saucers to real long lines to like mm-hmm. individual dots and how they travel. So that makes you wonder in the essence that they're not communicating, but they still find Earth interesting for what the species is here. Yeah, I think um, I do. I, I like the ideas of like, you know, like the alien covenant in Halo or like yeah. Star Wars and that kind of idea. Um, but I kind of lean towards this idea that once um, a civilization hits the that singularity where they can travel faster than light, um, or that they understand, you know, reality-based consciousness where they can, I don't know, use portals or whatever, you know, whatever that that time-bending tech is. I think there's it just becomes uh, impractical to operate in a, like a government sense because you're not going to get every space-time reality <laughs> to to sign on to a you know a peace deal or anything like that we can't even get our one planet to you know <laughs> agree on anything for very long without blowing each other up so the idea i think once um uh, a society hits that point where they they find that tent um and they can travel faster than light because once you know it's theorized that that can't happen our understanding is it can't happen but the closer you move at the faster at light speed, you know, the essentially the closer you get to the object, it shrinks space and it shrinks time. It's the whole, you know, Star Trek analogy. Everyone knows they fold the paper and then they poke the pencil through and that's how warp speed works. Uh, but it also works on time in the same way in, in actual function. And this is directly from Einstein's um, theorizing. Uh, so, 
you know, it's, I think it just would be wildly impractical <laughs> to, to try to, to run something like Starfleet when it's not as, uh, you know, it's just not as simple as that. Realities don't exist like ours does, <laughs> like we want it to. Even in the reality we have, it doesn't exist how we want it to. Uh, and I think most people will agree to that. Uh, so I think that, you know, this idea that the, the, they'll bond together and they're here to bring us peace or add us to the, the intergalactic community. Um, I think, nah, they're probably not wasting their own time with that. Maybe they're here to do, you know, science. Maybe they need something. Um, maybe we taste delicious. <laughs> I have no idea. But I think once you, you hit that point, there's no, you know, uh, maybe you're, you're doing missions for the home world, but there's no, you know, I doubt large scale, uh, space wars or anything like that. Um, I think would be impractical for all parties. <laughs> if you had that tech, you just fly away, <laughs> right? Or go to a different reality if you got started, uh, getting shot at. Um, and in the cases of UFOs that get shot at, that is exactly what they, they seem to do. Sometimes they, they blast you with a laser. Uh, but the most of the times they're just like, all right, we'll leave. Bye. We'll go to one earth over <laughs> where you guys are still, or back in time where you guys are still throwing spears and we'll take the water from then. <laughs> well, yeah, think about that. And it's always funny is that every encounter, every alien report people have, or every, uh, you know, like, oh, I experienced this with the alien, something like that. It's always with the, the aliens always have a scientific mind. They're always an explorer. They're always a scientific ideas. Like they always mm -hmm. want to study us, learn about us, and then basis releases back in the wild. There's no hunters. There's no uh, soldiers. There's no like ones that are warmongering. There's not that typical alien race that we usually depict in the movies. They're always explorers and scientists. Then again, you think about it, who would we send into space to go search stuff would be explorers and scientists. Mm -hmm. So, I think they might have the same, not say thought process, or at least the same possible concept that let's send our smartest ones out there to go look for stuff and see what they find and see what they bring back to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we hope. There are those odd cases, you know, of course there's cattle mutilations, um, which seem to be intrinsically linked with UFOs. Um, and those don't seem to turn out well for the cows. And in South America, um, particularly in Brazil, there are quite a few cases of human mutilations where people were, were killed by UFOs. So it seems to happen every once in a while. But for, for the, the most part, they do seem to come here to do little tasks. It seems they're all on fetch quests, that they're only here for a little bit. They go and grab their thing and get out. Um, and while they do seem to have the ability to shut off our nuclear weapons and, um, they've caused, uh, you know, quite a panic for military bases and things, uh, theoretically, if we really put our mind to it, I'm sure we could hit one with a nuke. Um, and if that happened, I'm sure it would, whatever it is, whatever reality existed in, that would hurt. Um, so I do think there's a, you know, an, they're they're going to leave us alone for the most part in this um uh you know in a conflict sense they don't want to come here and, and make a fuss um because i think that's uh 
I think there, there, there's, you know, this fear that if they show up, it's Independence Day and they're going to blow us up. And that's probably what would happen if it had, you know, that kind of, of weapons and tech. Uh, but I think there is, a, again, it's impractical. I, if we hit them <laughs> with one of those nukes, it's going to blow up the spaceship, just like it did in the movie. Uh, all of our, our literature, all of our movies and stuff also give the aliens a good warning that, hey... <laughs> <laughs> if you come here, we'll probably shoot at you. We really like to do it. Um, so, no, I think it's definitely, you know, drop by, do whatever you got to do, and get out of there without interacting with too many humans. <laughs> no matter what reality they exist, whether they're in the solar system one over or whether they are from a, a, a totally different time and space. Uh, it was, a, uh, it was a, a fun time question. I was asked... Uh alien enthusiasts, especially people I meet, meet about it, is that if you got abducted by aliens and they were in front of you and you can understand them and they were talking to you like you're talking to me and like they ask you and they say, well, do you have any questions? Obviously you do. You're great. Your race is very curious about most things, but what questions would you have for us and what would you ask them? Uh, the first thing I would ask is, can I come with you? <laughs> I would, I would, I would totally. If I ever mysteriously disappear, one, it would help me sell a bunch of books. So I'm all in <laughs> on that angle. But two, that's where I'm at. I want a, a UFO. I said, take me with you, um, because yeah, I think that um, you know I would have a million questions. I'd never stop having questions. <laughs> I'd keep asking questions until I drop. Um, and they'd probably get annoyed with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably, they probably wouldn't take me because I'd be too annoying. But, um, yeah, I think, um, I would want to know, I would want to know how the ship works. I would want to know what's up with the medical experiments. Like, why, why are you taking people? I would want to know if they interacted with human history. I would want to know where they came from. I, I could just keep going and going and going. But my one question would be, take me with you. Can you, can I go with you? Just hang out. Give me, give me a year. I'll just sit in the corner and I'll shut up and I'll just take notes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can drop me off. No one's going to believe me. <laughs> They're not going to believe a single thing I, I wrote. So just do it. <laughs> you know? No, I would ask them, do you guys have music? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Cause humans seem to be the one things that create music. Hell, our music is being broadcasted from this planet out into mm -hmm. satellites so they can easily interpret and find like that. And something that we've never heard, never picked up, never even encountered mm -hmm. was some other form of music that's come our way. And it seems to be, mm -hmm. I'll say a human thing, but like I said, the Anunnaki engineered us. They obviously engineered mm -hmm. from their own concept, thinking that they would have their own form of music uh, of some kind themselves. So if you wonder, are we the only species that even thought about doing it or even care to, to do it. That would be interesting. Yeah. That would be revealing. Uh, I don't know if I could trust the species that doesn't have music. <laughs> Are they really advanced? <laughs> and they go, oh yeah. That would be kind of freaky. Yeah. Hey, listen to this. And it's like, yeah, what if it sucks? <laughs> I mean, this, what are you talking about? You don't like this? I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Teach him electric guitar. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> there, oh, oh, yeah. uh, instrument, just in case I do get abducted. I can, I can teach him human music. <laughs> awesome.
Um, not to, we're coming up on a, an hour usually. That's why right. bring it to an end. Cool. Um, where can they find you? Um, so you can find me at chazofthedead.com. I'm also at chazofthedead on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm pretty active on both of those. Uh, to follow with my my stuff on my website, you can find articles and podcasts and interviews and all kinds of stuff that I've been doing. Um, you know, more paranormal investigations and uh, talking about just paranormal on the whole. Um, and of course, check out my book, Paranormal Expeditions: Hunt for the Friendship. Um, it's a story of UFOs, Nazis, psychedelics, and an expedition to the edge of the world. Uh, so if you like any of that stuff, check it out. And where can they buy that book? That's on Amazon, uh, or you can find it, a uh, link to it on my website or on my Instagram page. All right. And uh, as always, we'll catch your widows in the next one. <laughs>